having that consistent morning wake time, 80% of the time, whether it's the weekend, whether you're on vacation, really try to stick to that 80% of the time, waking up consistently in the morning, immersing yourself in natural light, getting your body moving, getting in that daily movement, at least 30 minutes throughout the day. That is going to help build a strong drive. It's gonna help fill that tank to sleep. Hi guys, we're your hosts, Jillian and Kaylin, and this is Teach Me How to Adult, a podcast on all the things you never learned growing up, like how to buy a home, manage stress, crush your love life, land your dream job, and how to love yourself more, because we could all be a little kinder to ourselves. We're still figuring out how to get our shit together, so we're calling in the experts and the hustlers for some real talk and legit tips on how to live your best life. Adulting isn't easy, but we got you. Hi friends, we could not be more excited for today's episode because both Jill and I are like the most sleep deprived, exhausted human beings most of the time. I'm sure you can all relate. But as we've learned in many of our episodes, sleep literally impacts everything from your physical health to your mood to your mindset. It's quite literally the key to living your best life. So today we are getting the scoop from sleep expert Alana McGinn on how to actually sleep better. So keep listening because this is a game changer. Yeah, we are the queens of burning the candle on both ends, and that's often for totally different reasons between the two of us, but the outcome is usually the same. We have memory problems, we skip out on exercise or healthy meals because we have no energy, we have volatile moods, low productivity, shitty immune systems, like right now I am sick as fuck and I have not slept properly in weeks. So the repercussions are real, but I am sick of my sleepy girl era. I'm officially entering my energized, well-rested girl era with everything that I learned from this episode. It is so good. And no matter what your struggle is, whether it's you can't fall asleep at night or you never wake up on time feeling rested or you're constantly waking up throughout the night and you can't get back to sleep. Whatever it is, there is so much great research and advice in this episode that can help you address those issues. Yes, bring on the well-rested girl era. I love it. But we are not the experts, so we called in Alana McGinn. Alana is the founder and lead sleep expert at Goodnight Sleep Site, host of This Girl Loves Sleep podcast, and author of This Baby Loves Sleep. Alana and her team of sleep consultants are certified through the Family Sleep Institute and have helped thousands of families around the world overcome their sleep challenges and establish healthy nighttime habits. She's a resident sleep expert for publications like Forbes, McLean's, and Today's Parent, and the media sleep expert on CityLine, Breakfast Television, CBC Radio, and more. Teach us how to get the fuck to sleep, Alana. Alana, thank you so, so much for being here today. We, I've said this to you already, but Jill and I are so excited because we both yes. need help getting to sleep and a lot of our friends do and a lot of our listeners do. Uh, so we just really appreciate you taking the time to share your expertise on how we can just sleep better and then ultimately live life better at the girl. end of the day. It's my pleasure. So we'd love to just kick it off and ask you, what is sleep deprivation doing to us physically and mentally? Because- I mean, we all are guilty of spending all-nighters or staying up too late, binge-watching that show, but what is that actually doing to our bodies? So, you know, there's still so much research and studies being done on 
the effects of sleep loss or sleep deprivation. What we do know is physically what it does for us is there's a lot going on while we're sleeping, right? Our body is able to repair itself from the day it's had. Um, we are able to, you know, restore energy, our creativity, all of those amazing things. If we look at our brain, I always say look at our brain as that sponge or that filing cabinet. So if we look at it as that sponge, um, you know, I, I talk a lot to universities and, and colleges and schools um, and, you know, it's staying up all night and, and cramming. And the best thing you can actually do is study and get a great night of sleep because your brain acts as that sponge where it cements in all of that information that you've absorbed and learned throughout the day, a great, well-rested brain, right? It also helps to prepare itself for the next day. So prepares that sponge for the next day. We are able to file away our memories, our consolidated memories. It affects our overall mood and, and temperament. I mean, we all know what we're like day to day. We haven't had a great <laughs> night of sleep, right? We are yeah. <laughs> yeah, not pleasant to be around, right? We are more moody. Uh, we are more short-tempered. We get irritated a lot more easily. Yeah. And just, I mean, emotionally, I mean, we know what we're like when we haven't had a great night of sleep. So I really do look at sleep as mm -hmm. one of the main pillars of health. Often we talk about the three main pillars, exercise, nutrition, and sleep. I like to add that fourth pillar of connection. I think if we've learned anything in the past three or four years, the importance of connection. Yeah. And when we're not sleeping well, I really do think that sleep is kind of like that baseline for those other pillars. Because when we're not sleeping well, yeah. we're not making great nutritional choices. We we tend to crave more carbs and more sugars, right? Our body can't digest its food as well or metabolize our food as well. We don't have the energy to move, which is so important. And we're probably going to talk a lot about that throughout the show. So we don't have the energy to exercise and get in that physical activity that we should. And like I said, our connections with others aren't that great. Yeah. I definitely notice a huge difference in how I eat yeah. the next day if I really not slept well and like what I'm reaching mm -hmm. for, obviously how I'm behaving. But the one of the like stats that really shook me was how if you are super sleep deprived, like you only had a few hours of sleep, it is as kind of like de debilitating as drinking and driving if you get behind the wheel. And I just found that so shocking because yeah. obviously we're we're all very clear to not drink and drive, but I have driven so many times on two, three hours of sleep and that's like, very scary. It's when you go from point A to point B and you can't remember how you got there, right? Yeah. Like you don't actually remember driving there. Um, there was actually, there's actually studies done on the recent time change that we had for spring because yeah. we lose that hour of sleep. And when we're yes. losing an hour of sleep on an already sleep-deprived society, there's it definitely affects us. And studies show that mm. we see an increase in car accidents, in workplace accidents, in strokes and wow. heart attacks. So yeah, Whoa. the studies and stats show it. We need to stop with this time change thing. It like rocked my whole family because my daughter would not sleep because it was so bright out. We have to go get blackout curtains for her room. But yeah, that uh, daytime savings. I get it. I like the extra sun, but I miss my hour of sleep, you know? So what should we be doing during the day and right before bed to help us improve our sleep in terms of like readying our bodies and minds and then also our environment? So I love this question. It's, it's, it'll be a long answer. So I'll break it up into parts, but I think it's so important. I love that you say, what can we do, but you know, in, during the day and at night, because often we think obviously when we're trying to fix our sleep or sleep better, mm -hmm. we focus a lot on what we do at night. 
But I think it's so important to really focus also, if not, and I will say more importantly, on what we do throughout the day. Because what we do throughout the day, in the morning, throughout the day, can really help us sleep better at night. So what I always explain to people is when we wake up, whether we've had a really good night of sleep or whether we haven't had a, a great night of sleep, so I always explain that sleep drive as a sleep tank. So picture mm-hmm. that tank on empty when you wake up in the morning. Again, whether you've had a great night or not a great night of sleep. Our goal throughout the day is to fill that tank full, to to really, you know, have a strong sleep drive. Think of it like a tire, right? We're adding that pressure to sleep and we have to do things throughout the day to help that. So one is by waking up consistently. You know, we, we always talk about consistent sleep schedule. Having a consistent morning wake time is more important than mm. say having a consistent bedtime. So having that consistent mm. morning wake time, 80% of the time, whether it's the weekend, whether you're on vacation, really try to stick to that 80% of the time, waking up consistently in the morning, immersing yourself in natural light, getting your body moving, getting in that daily movement, at least 30 minutes throughout the day. That is going to help um, build a strong drive. It's going to help fill that tank to sleep. You know, what you can do throughout the day too is, is I always talk about things. Um, I say, you know, it's constructively worry. So a big issue that I have that people come to me about is, is how do I quiet my mind at bedtime? My mind starts racing every problem, every worry just kind of floods my brain, whether or not I'm trying to fall asleep at bedtime or waking up in the middle of the night. The reason why that is, is because we are so distracted throughout the day. We can put, listen, we're human. I'm not going to tell you to not stress out, to (laughs) not have anxiety, to not have problems because we're going to, right? But we can so easily distract ourselves from those stressors throughout the day because we're busy, right? We're working, we're with our families, we're always connected to some kind of device. And then what happens is you get into bed, all those distractions yeah. are gone and your brain just floods. Yeah. So you have to give yourself, allow yourself time throughout the day to have what I call a personal pause. So a personal pause would be, you know, there's there's one or two ways of doing it. One way is just giving yourself that mindful hush. So whether it's a minute or two throughout the day, two or three times throughout the day, just be in that present state of mind. It could be meditation. It could be mindful breathing or, or mindful thought, um, but also could just be a walk. It could be baking. It could be cooking a meal. It could be just doing something where you are present in every step and stage mm-hmm. that you're doing in that moment. The other way, the way that I like to do it is through what I call a productive thought. So this is where we constructively worry. So we take that problem that we know we have, big or small, and we try to work through it. I always say, give yourself time throughout the day to stress the fuck True. out because we're going to stress out. Yeah. We want to stress out during the day, not at night, huh. but yes. do it constructively, right? So you've got your problem, write out your solutions, fold that piece of paper away so that when you get into bed and that problem's going to pop into your head, you've allowed yourself time throughout the day. You can also say to yourself, you know what? I gave myself mm-hmm. time throughout the day to work through it. I'll work through it again tomorrow. I don't need to work oh, through it now so at three o'clock in the morning. Oh my oh. God. I love that. I like the carving out time to mindfully do it because I like to go for a yeah. walk after work. It's like a good reset. I usually take my dog out. I'm well, she's more so like begging me to go, for some, which is good because sometimes I'm like, I don't want to do this. And that is sort of becoming my reset. But I will say I'm not really mindful on it. Like I actually spend most of the time on that walk complaining about whatever happened at work that day to my husband. But I love the idea of carving out time and like allowing yourself the yeah. space to just let go because, yeah, I'm so guilty of the oh, 3 a.m. Yeah. spiral of like all the things I I didn't get done. I think that's that's one of, for for both Kayla and I, from what we've discussed, like that's one of our biggest barriers to sleep at night is especially if it's like an extra stressful season of our lives. If I'm not 
exhausted to the point of I can't keep my eyeballs open when I go to bed, it means I'm lying there for hours and spiraling and being anxious and worrying. And so then I won't let myself even try to go to bed Mm -hmm. until I'm like dead, so tired because then I'm like, oh, I'll immediately fall asleep. And if I go before, then I'm going to ruminate. And so that's a great solution that I would love to try. I know a lot of people also go to bed like with a journal um, so that if they do have something that they can't get past and that's just spiraling around in their minds they can quickly jot it down and like release it and then go back to sleep um I always do that on my phone which then is a problem because I'm sure the blue light disrupts me further so I need to try the journal approach yeah you know I always say there's something something to be said about pen to paper you know just writing out like giving your brain that dump writing out that to-do list can really help and that could be something that you include in your bedtime routine I love, Jill, that you mentioned, you know, you only go to bed when you're bone tired. And I, I do think that there is some importance to that. And that's where I said, you know, make sure you're keeping that consistent morning time. Whereas with your bedtime, you know, we always hear, you know, have that consistent bedtime. A consistent bedtime is important, but you can be a little bit flexible with it. So I would prefer you or anyone listening to go to bed when you mm-hmm. actually feel tired rather than when you just feel that you should go to bed. So what I mean by that is I have a lot of people who come to me saying, you know, I go to bed and I toss and turn. First of all, going to bed does not mean getting into bed and scrolling TikTok for yeah, an hour yeah. or two and then going to bed. It That's doesn't? Not bedtime. What? Which, <laughs> I know. Which, let's be honest, we are all guilty of, at, you know, me not as much, but it happens, right? I am yeah. human. But I will say, you know, when you actually get into bed to go to bed, You know, a lot of people come to me and say, you know, my bedtime is nine or 10 because that just seems like a reasonable bedtime, right? You're tired. It's nine or 10 o'clock at night. That's the time I'm going to go to bed. But if you're not actually tired at that time, what's happening then is you are tossing and you are turning and your thoughts are ruminating and you're clock watching. We've all been guilty of that. That might entice you to reach for your phone and check your emails and check social media and do all of those things, right? And what's happening is we're weakening that association between Mm -hmm. sleep and our bed, which is what we don't want to do. And now we start having negative feelings towards our bed because we know we're going to go to bed and we're not going to fall asleep. So instead of a nine or 10 bedtime, this isn't me giving you permission to go to bed at like two o'clock in the morning, but maybe your bedtime is more of an 11 o'clock bedtime or 12 o'clock bedtime. When do you actually feel tired? That's going to shorten that onset of sleep. That's going to help you fall asleep quicker when you get into bed giving you a more positive relationship between your bed and sleep um, and actually helping you then fall asleep easier if you do wake up in the middle of the night because you've got that that good relationship with your bed and sleep. So aim more for going to bed when you actually feel tired than just for that set bedtime. Like you can be, there's some wiggle room with that, but then wake Mm -hmm. up consistently in the morning. That's really good to know because I didn't know if I was like doing it wrong by doing it that way. But the relation, like the association is so important because those nights where I can't sleep and I'm spiraling and I'm anxious and I'm reliving something that happened 12 years ago, like ad nauseum, the next few nights I dreaded (laughs) bedtime because I was like, fuck, I don't want to do that again. And so, yeah, that's a great point that you want to like set yourself up to look forward to going to bed and not having like this shitty experience that then haunts you for the rest of the week. And then, yeah. And what about our our rooms and our environment? Is there like does the temperature and the bed setup and the the light exposure do all of those things really matter as much as some say it do, does? Things like consistent sleep schedules, a great bedtime routine, sleep environment, you know, tech, which I'm sure you know I'll, I'll talk about in a second. These are all steps and stages of proper sleep hygiene. So sleep hygiene is 
the practices and principles of sleeping well. What's that? Like they're really, they're lifestyle changes. They're changing habits. A lot of it is that, right? It's behavioral changes to sleep better. Sleep environment is probably, you know, I've, I've always discussed the importance of a great sleep environment, but really in the past few years, I'm really making it a focus to talk more about that and the morning. The morning routine is a big one too. And the reason why that is because so many of us are still working from home, right? Because of the pandemic, we're still working remotely, mm-hmm. whether it be full-time or hybrid. And our rooms have become the room in which we're everything doing everything but sleeping well. So they're becoming mm-hmm. our home office, our entertainment center, our home gym. Um, and I mean, I understand that, you know, logistically, the, your bedroom might have to have become your office or something like that. But we really do need to kind of set those boundaries and carve out that time. So, you know, punch that clock, make sure that when you're done work, you're actually, you know, I always say clear the clutter, put away your work stuff so that you're not staring at it the moment you walk into your bedroom. You should walk into your bedroom and get instantly cued to relax and have that sense of calmness and that instant, you know, you might not walk into your bedroom and instantly feel tired, but have that sense that you can get there. Right. But if we're staring at our work files and we're staring Mm -hmm. at our dumbbells and now we're hard on ourselves because we're like, Oh, we didn't, you know, we didn't work out today. Oh, look at all that laundry I need to fold. Like all of those things that we all are going to see and think we don't want to see and think those things in our bedroom. So clear the clutter away as best you can. But also really create a conducive environment that works for your specific sleep needs. So whether you sleep alone or you share a bedroom and share a bed with someone, your side of the bed, including your night table, including what you're sleeping in, should be customized to you. So, you know, you don't necessarily have to have the same blanket as your partner or the same pillow as your partner. I know mattress, you know, a lot of people will say, what's the best mattress? What's the best pillow? I can't say like, use this mattress and use this pillow because it's so dependent on the person. So I understand the mattress has to be kind of a group decision. It has to work for both individuals. Yeah. But, you know, maybe you need a different pillow than your partner because you're more of a hot sleeper. You have any, you know, maybe you have certain chronic ailments or pains that bother you throughout the night. Maybe you're a stomach sleeper. Your partner is a back sleeper. Same with blankets. You know, if you're, I'm a hot sleeper. I'm a night sweater. If your partner is more of a cold sleeper, you know, I need more wicking fabrics, more organic, more natural cottons, bamboos, those types of fibers. Whereas maybe your partner is a colder sleeper, so he needs flannels or they need the flannels and the warmer, um, the warmer bedding. So really customize your side of the bed to you as best you can. That's great advice. I've also seen a lot of couples and at first I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. And now I love the idea of they literally have like their own station in the bed. Like they have their fully own duvet each and their own everything each. And it's almost like when you go to a hotel and there's like two separate beds that are pushed together and they're like, oh, it's a king size, but it's like two different beds. They create that setup at home so that they each go to bed. And even though they're sharing a bed, they have their own everything. Like they're not sharing a blanket. They're not yanking over each other. They have their own space. And I see the merit in that because as much as I love you know, a great connection and, you know, cuddling and all of that when it's time to sleep. I'm like, no, no, no. I will be a shit partner if I'm not sleeping. So just let me sleep. (laughs) I love that. My parents do that. They have a separate bed. The beds together. Yeah. But to your point, because they have different pillows that they like, different duvets that they like, like they've mastered it. Our setup is all wrong. I got to get it figured (laughs) out. My husband's a hot sleeper. I'm a cold sleeper. I hog. Like I think maybe the secret to a happy marriage is 
separate sleeping, not arrangements, but stepping, separate Blankets. sleeping yeah. Yeah. You know, environments. Well, zones. you know, yeah. I do think that um, the younger generation is is doing marriage a little bit differently in terms of some of the traditional things mm-hmm. that you do. And, mm-hmm. you know, more and more couples yeah. are sleeping with, sep- whether it be separate blankets or sleeping in separate bedrooms, not because they aren't happy with each other, um, just because they want to sleep well. There was... Yeah. um. There was a survey done in, I mean, 2015, this is a, a while ago, um, in, in the U.S., in the National Home Builders Association survey done that showed that 60% of new home builds are being built with um, two primary bedrooms. So Not in Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> or Vancouver. That's true. Um, so, I mean, listen, yeah. not to say that that's the solution, Yeah. Um, but, you know, some couples are just being creative. Whatever with, works. With yeah. the goal to sleep better. I, mean, I know. Yeah. If I end up with a snore, it's either going to be divorce or separate bedrooms. So that's my journey. Like, I can't. I can't. <laughs> Nothing. Earplugs are a great solution. Okay. Earplugs are a great tool. Yeah. yeah. True. Yeah. Earplugs are cheaper than divorce. So I'd go that route. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> Very true. If it's, if it's the only problem, then yeah, we'll work through it. <laughs> How do we figure out how much sleep we really need individually? Because like, you know, the the rules are like six to eight or seven to nine or whatever. And and I think some people generally know they can function pretty well on less and some people feel like they need more. But I actually don't know because I pretty much feel equally tired whether I sleep a lot or a little. <laughs> like, I don't yeah. know how to figure out what the sweet spot is. Well, I mean, there's, you know, again, it all comes down to your own personal sleep needs. So the amount of sleep that I need might be different from you and it might be yeah. different from you. And it's it's not to say that I need the same amount of sleep or we need the same amount of sleep each and every night, right? So mm. yes, on average, we're looking at those seven to eight hours. That's what you're going to read about. But there are some individuals who function great on six. There are some individuals who need more, perhaps they need nine. So I think, again, that sweet spot is anywhere between six to nine hours of sleep per night. How we know if this is enough sleep for us is really how do you feel the next day? How do you feel when you wake up in the morning? You know when you've gone to bed too late and you've pushed. Yeah. I know. I know when I've pushed out that bedtime way too late and I have to wake up. You know, We all have to wake up at a certain, certain time, right? Yeah. Based on our lifestyle. We have to get up to go to work. We have to get up to get the kids off to school. Like whatever we, you know, that, that wake time, we can't really be flexible with that. So base your bedtime off of that time. Again, focusing on going to bed when you're tired, not just when you think you need to go to bed, but then how do you feel the next day? For those who are listening, who perhaps think, you know, I function fine on, and I get this all the time. I feel great on four and I feel great on five hours of sleep. What we also have to factor in is that the less sleep we get consistently, it does affect our judgment on on how we feel on that amount of sleep. And what I mean by that, I always kind of equate it to when we drink, right? The more we drink, our, our tolerance for alcohol increases, right? Yeah. Well, the less you sleep, you actually do feel good on that amount of sleep. So if you consistently only get four hours of sleep per night or five hours of sleep per night, you know, yeah, you're going to function off of that because that's just what your body's used to, but that's not necessarily what your body needs. There's very few people who can have overall, you know, positive health and wellness on four hours of sleep per night. So if you think you're one of them, you're probably not. 
But I think if you can focus mm-hmm. on like, you know, again, six to nine and just base it on how you feel throughout the day. How are you functioning throughout the day? I'm not expecting you to wake up, you know, like Snow White with the birds singing and bouncing <laughs> out of bed. Like no one is going to do that, whether you've had enough sleep or not. Right. But certainly not if me. You are cons- <laughs> yeah, no. And it's not me either. But if you feel, you know, you know how you feel when you wake up in the morning and you're like, you know, I did good last night. Like I had a good bedtime. I had a pretty good sleep. And then you know how you feel in the morning when you're like, yeah, no, tonight, like what's your first thought is like tonight, I got to go to bed earlier. It's true. I guess your body does adapt to whatever you're giving it. Cause I think about like when I first had my daughter and I was getting no sleep, it was, I guess I was running off adrenaline for the most part, but I was able to adapt. But then I will always remember the nap that I got I think she was like three months old and my husband was like, go lie down. She's sleeping. And I think I slept for like five hours straight and I woke up and the birds were singing (laughs) and I was Snow White. I was all the freaking Disney princesses when I woke up and it was glorious. So that's when I was like, oh, maybe this like one and a half, two hour sleep cycle that I'm on right now isn't great and isn't sustainable. So yeah, you're right. Got to give your body what it needs. So we also wanted to talk about natural remedies. Are there any like herbs or supplements or aromatherapies that you'd recommend to help us sleep, get to sleep and sleep better? So aromatherapy, uh, you know, again, it comes back to that sleep environment. You know, I always say with your sleep environment, really focus on your senses, your five senses. So, you know, what are you seeing? Are, do you need blackout blinds? Do you need things pitch black? Do you need to wear an eye mask? What are you hearing? Do you need things? I need things bone quiet, like mm. no noise at all. Um, whereas some might need that fan running or need like a, a white noise machine or something like that. Smell, sense. This is where we can bring in some aromatherapy, some candles provided we blow them out before we fall asleep. But, you know, calming and relaxing <laughs> sense to really kind of create that sleep like sanctuary. Melatonin is often a common question that I get asked, should we be taking melatonin? I do feel, first of all, I'm not a doctor, so I cannot say, you know, prescribe or yes or no. But I do think that there is an overuse happening with melatonin because it is so readily, it's over the counter, you can easily get it. It's largely promoted as a sleep aid. I think that people need to understand Mm -hmm. that melatonin is a hormone. It's not a vitamin. It's not a a, a mineral. It's a hormone that we all have. It's our natural sleep hormone. It's what helps drive our, our natural clock, our circadian rhythms. It is very rare for you to be deficient in melatonin. It's a simple uh, blood test or, or swab test that you can get and to see. And melatonin is largely released, suppressed or released from our natural environment. So from our, our external environment. So when it gets dark out, that is when our melatonin is released. So you know, really play with your external environment. When we open up the blinds in the morning, immerse yourself in that natural light, that's when it's suppressed. You know, when you're taking it in in a supplemental form, I think it's important to understand that it's probably, you're probably not taking the right dose. It's not being released in your body in the same way. Now, it can play a role for people who travel a lot, who are jet lagged, going through different time zones, for certain people on certain medications. Um, we see it with our some of our kids who are perhaps on the spectrum or, or for a, for ADHD works can work well with for individuals, kids or adults that are taking ADHD medicine. But it's it's too many people are using it. It's not it's not something that I would recommend right out of the gate. Again, I'm not yeah. a doctor, so always check with your doctor before you add in any kind of 
new vitamin or, or mineral. Um, but magnesium is something great yes. to add to your, your daily vitamins. And you can take it at night. Again, talk to your naturopath or talk to your doctor about dose and when to take it. But I think Health Canada reported that 43% of Canadians are deficient in magnesium. Mm. And it can help to kind of lower stress, lower anxiety, calm the body and mind down, helping you fall asleep a lot better. And even the magnesium in like the, the bath salts, I, I find yeah. if I do like an Epsom salt with magnesium um, and like a little essential oil bath, I'm like crawling, like army crawling on the floor to get to bed. And as someone who has yeah. a lot of trouble, <laughs> like winding down and getting to bed, if I'm in a dire situation like that bath and those salts, like they do something. So in yeah. a dire sitch yeah. might, might help. Yeah, no, magnesium is great. I like the the powder formula is what I like to do. I think mm-hmm. it's called Calm. And I, there's something about like a soothing – maybe this plays the senses um, point you made. There's something about a soothing like warm tea or something like caffeine-free before bed that really helps me settle down. And for me, it's the magnesium or that sleepy time tea, which I think mm-hmm. has like chamomile and those like natural herbs. It works for me, but I also feel like it's just like a psychological like, okay, this is my trigger to my body to relax and unwind. Probably yeah. like the bath for you, Jill. I'm army crawling too <laughs> after that. After the call. Yeah, I mean, it's a cue, right? Yeah, a lot of those activities are cues, like having that yeah. tea, like having that bath. Um, that hot water too, when we get out of that hot water, our body immediately cools down, cooling down our core t- uh, body temperature and having that cooler core body temperature does help us fall asleep a lot easier. So mm-hmm. something like taking a shower, a bath before bedtime can work for that. You know, a lot of it is sleep hygiene, but there is a psychological component to it as well. So if there's someone who is suffering from insomnia, so insomnia is long-term sleep loss. You know, it's someone, I would say three and three, it's three days or more a week for three months or longer where you're not, you, you, can't fall asleep when you actually want to, whether it be Mm -hmm. a bedtime, whether it be at three o'clock in the morning, and you worry about it, and you are hyper-focused on it. This is someone who perhaps Mm -hmm. would be diagnosed with insomnia, because insomnia and sleep deprivation often get linked, but they're two completely different things. You can have sleep deprivation, but not have insomnia. You can have insomnia, and you can have sleep deprivation. So someone who is suffering from sleep deprivation is just someone who is not getting the right amount, quantity and quality of sleep that they should be getting, but they're not like super hyper-focused on it. You know, it's just not a priority in their world at that time. Um, Whereas someone with insomnia, it Mm. likely is, right? So that's that kind of that, that difference. So sleep hygiene is one component, but if you are someone who is struggling from insomnia, you might have to take it a step further. And that is where we get into different therapies that fall under cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. Mm -hmm. And there's different therapies that are included under that umbrella. You would want to work with a sleep therapist um, who can help you through some of these therapies. So some of them could be stimulus control, uh, bedtime restriction, positive affirmations. So changing our mindset and how we feel about sleep, again, coming back to that more positive mindset relationship with sleep versus that negative sleep hygiene Mm. falls under there also. But sometimes it's just, it's not as easy as just having consistent sleep patterns and setting up a great sleep environment. All of those tools help, but sometimes you have to take it a little bit further. That's a really good distinction. I never knew that. That's, uh, that's really, really interesting. What about food and, and does what we eat affect how we sleep? And is there really like a, a strong link between that? 
It definitely can. Um, if we look at like our, our blood, let's look at, say, our blood sugar levels. Sometimes if we are consistently waking up at three o'clock in the morning, there could be the, one of the reasons could be because there is some instability in your blood sugar levels throughout the night. So we want to keep those blood sugar levels stabilized throughout the night. And while we don't want to eat huge meals before we go to bed, you really want to focus on at least four hours between, you know, dinner and bedtime because we, we really want our body working hard on getting restorative sleep, not working hard on digesting food, right? Um, But if you find that perhaps Mm. you have to focus on keeping those blood sugar levels stabilized throughout the night, you can incorporate, you know, a small bedtime snack. It could be, but focus on obviously natural is better, right? So complex carbs, complex proteins, like like a banana and peanut butter or like grain Mm. toast and peanut butter or yogurt and granola, like just a small snack um, that can kind of keep you balanced throughout the night can help. Obviously, staying away from things like caffeine and spicy foods, and you know what affects you. You know, there are some people who, listen, can drink a cup of coffee after dinner and sleep great, and I am so jealous of those people because I am not one of them. If you are not, you want to, you know, aim to, you know, really limit your caffeine from noon on to give you enough time throughout the day. A lot of people will say, you know, know. noon on, yeah, and some are more sensitive than others, but yeah. also factor in like caffeine is not just coffee. It's not just tea. It's in your pop. It's in your chocolate. It's in, you know, anywhere that caffeine's right. kind of hiding. True. If you are really sensitive to it, you want to kind of eliminate it. My, my like after dinner kind of pre-bed snack of choice is like a square of dark chocolate with sea salt. And I'm like, shit, there's probably caffeine in that. <laughs> I know, but that's also yummy. It's Don't yummy. deprive your life. Yeah. Thank you for giving yeah. me permission for enjoy my life. bit of joy in the form like of dark, of bitter favorite. chocolate. It's just, it hits the spot. There's like a trial and error. I love this. It's like, try a bunch of different stuff. See what works for you. It, there's no like hard and fast rules. It's, we're all different. Cause I feel like you search like how to sleep better. Do and this, it's like, do oh, this, you do need this. to sleep yeah. by X time. Do this, do this. But it's not like that. We're all individuals. It's also really important to know, like, it's okay to not sleep well one night. Like, it's okay. Like, you know, if you're, if you're hyper-focusing yeah. on your sleep health, like that, while I love that people are putting more stock into their sleep health and really mm-hmm. valuing it the same as eating well and working out, which is also still very important. I don't want people to hyper-focus on their sleep health because that's just going to cause you to stress and worry more when you're not sleeping well. So yeah. if you have a bad night of sleep or a couple of bad nights of sleep, that's okay. Like I have bad nights of sleep. Absolutely. I have some weeks where I don't sleep well. I have some weeks where I sleep great. I also am a woman. We go through different shifts throughout the month. Mm-hmm. You know, all of those things, right? Um, yeah. Don't be so hard on yourself on the nights you don't sleep well. Yeah, because it causes frustration for a lot of people. I know my ex, when he couldn't sleep, he would get really frustrated and I'd feel so bad because I could see himself getting worked up and then and then he had no chance of sleeping it'd be like okay he missed his bedtime we're still up we're doing something then we get to bed and then he can't sleep immediately and then he would just get like mad at himself and frustrated and would like get up and pace and I'm like maybe try deep breathing and he's like shut the fuck up (laughs) (laughs) you know what tell tell a frustrated person to deep breathe and see how it goes yeah exactly um yeah, good luck. On those nights where you're you're really, you know, and listen, that's happened to all of us, right? Yeah. You get up in the middle of the night and we can't sleep and then you just get angry because you're just yeah. like, oh my God, I'm going to feel horrible the next day. Yeah. In, in, embrace that time. You know, use that time. If you know, listen, there's no way I'm falling asleep in the next mm-hmm. hour. Like it's just not going to happen. 
Okay, so what else can we do? Maybe this is now, this isn't like go in front on your phone and check your emails and go on TikTok and all of those things, right? But maybe um, you can set, you know, set up a, a quiet activity that you can do, like reading a chapter in a book or knitting or crocheting or doing a puzzle or like use that time for yourself. And then when you feel tired again, this is part of stimulus control. When you feel tired again, get back into bed and try it again. So don't be so hard on yourself in that moment of, I can't sleep. I now I'm mad and angry. And now for sure, I'm not going to sleep. You know what? I've got an hour to kill where like no one needs me as a parent, even not as a parent, you get it right. Um, I'm going to do something for me and I'll try, Mm -hmm. try to sleep again in 15, 20 minutes and see if I can do it. That's okay. That's great advice too, because when I've tried to be productive during, like if I give up, Okay, example. Uh, there, there was a mouse in my room uh, a few months ago. It was quite upsetting. I was That's very, stressful. I was deeply disturbed, and there was <laughs> no fucking stressful. way I was getting back to sleep after yeah, that situation. Yeah. And but then I was yeah. trying to be like productive, like oh, I should like make sure I have all my tax stuff together, and I should do this, and I should do this, and I, I was trying to like optimize that time, and it wasn't relaxing. It was probably adding stress because I was, you know, mm. over prioritizing being productive at three in the morning. And so what the advice you gave would have been really helpful. I actually could have used that time for like a bit of self-care, like something that I've been wanting to do for me that's enjoyable. And maybe that would have helped me calm down a bit instead of like further. Don't do your taxes. Like don't wake up and do your taxes. (laughs) No, I was just like, I have to use this time wisely. And like, no, no, that's not my recommendation. (laughs) No, (laughs) but do something that's enjoyable. Yeah, exactly. I love that. You're like you're flipping the script instead of sitting there and ruminating. It's like, oh, I have this time to yeah. do something nice for me. So, do you have any tricks to on optimizing the coveted REM sleep? Like, are there? I'm thinking, like, my daughter has wake windows. Like, are there specific times and optimal times that we should be waking up, or what? How do we optimize that? Um, yeah, I mean, throughout the night, you know, the sleep that we get before midnight is is probably some of the best sleep that you're going to get in terms of quality sleep. But that, again, that doesn't mean I want you going to bed at nine o'clock at night, right? But if you're consistently going to bed past midnight, you might want to inch that bedtime a little bit earlier to really optimize that good quality of sleep. Um, You know, as the, so we, we have sleep cycles like kids do, right? Our, as an adult, our cycles of sleep are anywhere from 75 to 90 minutes. Within each cycle of sleep, we transition through different um, stages of sleep. We have about five or six cycles of those cycles of sleep throughout the night. So this is why we want to focus both on quality and quantity because we're when we're getting the right amount of sleep each night, those periods of REM sleep increase or each, sorry, each cycle as the night goes on, those periods of, of deeper sleep and REM sleep increase. Mm-hmm. So the more cycles we get, the more better quality of sleep that we get. So, you know, focusing on the quantity, but a lot of, again, a lot of kind of what we talked about in terms of setting up a great space, focusing on good sleep hygiene, focusing on a better relationship with sleep will all help you stay, consolidate more of your sleep throughout the night. Even like we said, what we eat, a lot of people will say, you know, is it okay to drink? Um, Is that going to affect my sleep? And while, you know, a glass of wine at dinner, I'm not one to say don't have it. But if we're having more than one glass of whatever, beer, whatever you're having at night, what you have to understand is as the alcohol leaves your body while you're sleeping, it might help you fall asleep better, 
But as it's leaving your body, it's going to cause more fragmented sleep throughout the night. So, um, you know, again, if you're someone who's like, okay, I'm going to put together a great sleep plan and do all the things that might be something that you might want to kind of readjust and reassess. Yeah. I definitely don't feel rested after yeah, a night of drinking, not no matter well. how long I sleep. No. Like, <laughs> no. So I'm a chronic procrastinator, so all-nighters are like my second home. And as a new mom for Kaylin, she's all too familiar with uh, with pulling all-nighters. And also I travel a lot, so I'm always going across different time zones and just really screwing up my my sleep schedule. So do you have any tips for resetting? You know, like I've heard, oh, you can't make up for lost sleep and it takes a week per hour you lose and all of these different things. So it's it's hard to know going into these situations, either A, I know I'm just going to basically lose a night of sleep or I'm going into a drastically different time zone. How do we try to make the most of that and reset ourselves? The best way to reset your clock is to is using, again, that external environment, using natural light. So Um, you know, if you are adjusting to a new, whether you are coming home or going somewhere else and you're adjusting to a new time zone, listen, it takes our bodies like, like the time change, right? It takes our bodies about a week to adjust to a new time. Um, but the best thing that you can do is to get on that new routine, which is if that's what you choose to do, get on the new clock, you know, wake up in the morning, open up those blinds, let in that natural light, get outside, get your body moving. Just, it could just be a, a quick little walk around the block. Again, trying to go to bed uh, when, you know, the darkness comes and, and when your melatonin can can be released. So, um, you know, steps like that, just trying to get yourself, you know, almost forcing your body. I always say sometimes you have to push yourself into more of an overtired state to kind of get you out of that overtired state or get you into that new time zone. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, trying to adjust as best you can. Also watch napping too. You know, naps can be good for those individuals who, you know, have a great relationship with sleep or just, you know, they sleep good. Like there's not a lot of changes they need to do. If you want to take a nap, go for it. But if you're someone who, you know, is really trying to focus on their sleep at night and not sleeping well throughout the night, you know, uh, having a lot of sleep loss at night, or if you're adjusting to a new time zone and, or coming back home and want to adjust back to your time, we don't want to remember, I talked about that sleep drive, that sleep tank. We don't want to deplete that tank with taking that nap. And that's what it's going to do. Right. So while I understand you want to take that nap because you're probably super tired as your body adjusts, try to avoid that as best you can. Mm. Are there instances other than maybe like just being really sick where naps are a, a good idea or is it in general you would advise against them? I don't, I don't advise against them. Um, again, I think if you're someone who, who sleeps pretty well and doesn't have a whole lot of changes and you just feel like taking the occasional nap, mm-hmm. go for it. If you're someone, like I said, if someone who's, you know, really struggling with sleep at night, probably not a good idea. But also if you are someone who is showing a lot of excessive daytime sleepiness, and I'm not just talking about low energy or Mm. fatigue, I'm talking about like falling asleep, driving at a red light in a meeting, Mm. like cannot keep your eyes open. That signals to me that something is, but feel like maybe you're getting your seven to eight hours, like your sleep at night isn't bad. That signals to me that you're not getting the right quantity of sleep. Like something is happening at night. Mm. So something like, you know, a common right. sleep disorder is insomnia. Could we also be dealing with another common sleep disorder of sleep apnea? Sleep mm. apnea does not discriminate. A lot of people think it's overweight, older men who have it. It could be children, women, men, all ages. So if you are a chronic snorer or mouth breather, waking up exhausted in the morning, showing a lot of, and again, I'm ta- and I'm talking like while rattling snoring, okay? Always talk to the person sleeping beside you. 
or just again, excessive daytime sleepiness, that's worth having a conversation with your doctor who would then refer you to have a sleep study done to see if sleep apnea could, or another kind of sleep disorder couldn't be a a culprit. So if you wanted to have a power nap, (laughs) let's just say you, maybe you didn't have the best night's sleep, but you, you're like, your sleep is normally good and you want to have a power nap speaking for a friend for today. Um, asking for a friend, what is like the ideal time frame for a power nap? Is it like under 60 minutes? What would you suggest if someone's just needs a little If you just need that little power nap, the best thing you can do is take like a 15 to 20 minute nap, a short nap. Um, NASA actually did a study that um, deemed the perfect timed nap is 26 minutes. Because what happens when we're getting into that 30 to 60 minute mark for naps, again, coming back to the stages of sleep we get per cycle, you're likely waking up in a deeper state of sleep at that point. And that's where you get, it's called sleep inertia. So it's like a sleep hangover, Mm. like you're feeling foggy. You know, when you take a nap and you actually feel worse when you wake up than when you originally went down for that nap, right? And people who wake up grumpier. (laughs) Exactly. Oh yeah. I'm the worst when someone wakes me up from a nap. Sorry, Gabe. (laughs) Stay away from those 30 to 60 minute naps. Focus on the 15 to 20 or take a full cycle. Take a full 90 minute cycle because then you're going to be waking up as your body's kind of transitioning into a later state of sleep. Hmm. Okay. That's a great tip. And then also uh, chugging a coffee before you go down if it's like a 20 minute nap. I think that can be a nappuccino. A nappuccino. I love that. A nappuccino. That's adorable. They work. It works. That's yeah. a way of living. Okay, Nappuccino. My, I'm getting shirts made with that on it. <laughs> my friend Lindsay does that. It's Nappuccino time. Yes. <laughs> we'll send you some royalties for that. No, my friend Lindsay does that all the time. And I was like, are you crazy? You're not going to be able to sleep. But she wakes up like chipper yeah. AF after she has her Nappuccinos. For, for those listening, as you Love drink it. a cup of coffee before you go to, to sleep, takes about you know, 15 to 20 minutes for the caffeine to metabolize in your body. So if you take a nice 15 to 20 minute nap, then as you wake up, you're waking up feeling refreshed from your nap as the caffeine's hitting you and away you go. Mm, I love that. The incre- like the increments of time or the, uh, the sleep phases is also, I think, helpful to keep in mind because I know a lot of people set pre-alarms and like and assume that they're going to go back to sleep and snooze and all of that it drives me I mean I'm I can be a snooze hitter when I'm exhausted but like I don't live my life based on like I will set my first alarm an hour before I get up and then a half an hour before and then and when people do that I'm like stop because it disturbs me but also because it's probably (laughs) like screwing up their like they might wake up more tired each time if they're waking up in the middle of a of a cycle because you keep dozing yeah. off yeah absolutely uh yeah the snooze button is is something that i always say try to avoid if you can do it in the morning and i know that's hard because listen i'm also guilty of the snooze button um but the best thing you can do is set your alarm away from your bed so that you have to physically get out of bed to turn it off because then you probably won't get back into bed unless maybe yeah. you do um but yeah you know you're just kind of tricking your body into yeah. thinking that it's awake and asleep and awake and asleep and you'll probably feel worse the last time you hit the snooze than when you alarm clock originally went off. So, you know, the best thing you can do is, and it's, again, it all comes down to that procrastination. You're just procrastinating the wake up, right? Which is what we want to be super consistent with. Try to not check into the outside world for at least 30 minutes after you wake up you'll survive. Like nothing will crumble before you, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. use that time to go for a walk, deal with the kids, have a quiet cup of coffee, do some light stretching, do something before you check in. So turn off that alarm, but don't 
pick up your phone and start immersing yourself in that chaos of life that we all have. Yeah. Very true. Yes. Oh, this was extremely helpful. I'm so excited. I'm going to like revamp my sleep hygiene. My nighttime routine is going to be stunning, but I'm not going to put the pressure on myself. That has to be perfect every time. But I love the tips that you gave us today. So thank you thank so, you so, so much. much for having me. Of course. We have one last question that we love to ask all of our guests, and that's what's one thing that you wish you had been taught in school? In school. Oh, gosh. If I would have gone back in time, I would have taken more like autumn, autumn, uh, like in high school, you can, well, I don't know. Is our high school still like this again, guys? I graduated in 96, like automate automotive class, oh, yeah, like yeah, to yeah. learn more about cars Yeah, and like woodshop because woodshop, yeah. you take your mandatory woodshop class that you all have to take. And mm-hmm. then the girls go and do something else. And I then know. the boys stay in woodshop. I wish I did that. Like there's, Love don't forget answer. about trades are so important. And yeah. I wish, and again, school systems might be completely different now, but I wish when I went to school, there was more focus and encouragement to go into trades or learn trades. That's a great answer. We haven't gotten that. I love that I love answer. That. Learn how to change a tire on a car, ladies. Oh my God, I know. I, I need to, I, I'm always yeah. driving alone. So God help me the day I need help. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you so much for this chat. This was so, so helpful. I feel so much more equipped to have great sleep. And this is something I know every, everyone I know is struggling with this. So you are doing the work to help us all. And thank you. And please tell us where we can all follow you and find all of your amazing wisdom online. Well, first off, thanks so much for having me. You can head over to um, my website. If you go to goodnightsleepsite.com slash freebies, we have a lot of great guides and downloads all the way to, you know, baby sleep tips up to great stress management tips to help you sleep better um, that you can download and use for free. You can find me on Instagram, GN Sleep Site. You can find me on TikTok, alana 2 ensmcgain and Facebook, Good Night Sleep Site. Thank you so much, Alana. We hope this episode helps you create healthy sleep habits so you can get the quality sleep that you deserve. We'll leave you with a quote from novelist and poet Charlotte Bronte. A ruffled mind makes a restless pillow. That's what she said. So there you have it, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard today, it would mean the world to us if you would subscribe and leave a comment or a rating. And we'd love it if you would share this with your friends by screenshotting the episode and sharing it on social by tagging at Teach Me How to Adult Podcast and DM us with any topics or guests you'd like to hear on the show. See you next time. Bye. Bye.